0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hello, I'm Helen Holliman, Editor-in-Chief of Munchies, and welcome back to the Munchies podcast. If you're just tuning in, welcome aboard Episode 2. Our guest today is none other than Chef Wiley Dufresne.
0: I just want you to say it made me think. And I really don't care what you mean by that, as long as it made you think.
1: So I sat down in the studio with Wiley, who is known for his legendary restaurants WD-50 and Alder. And at WD, he was known for taking this like, hyper-creative but very scientific approach to cooking that left uptight New Yorkers doing something that they didn't expect to do after a meal. Think. It was this place where you could eat fried mayo and beef tongue, or bacon and egg French toast, or even deconstructed pho. And last year, it shuttered to make way for a sparkly new Manhattan apartment building. Wiley's singular style has unquestionably made this legendary mark on chefs and influenced upcoming chefs and eaters alike. So I couldn't help but wonder, how exactly does one of the pioneers of molecular gastronomy approach creativity? As it turns out, our conversation steered towards sports, one of my favorite topics, Applebee's. And why lacking curiosity as a human is a complete waste of your time. Oh, and we also learned some crazy shit about the chef that has changed tennis players' lives everywhere.
0: My grandfather uh, invented the indoor tennis court. You know, the bubble? What? Yeah, that was was his idea.
1: I'm looking at you, Venus and Serena Williams. Okay, but before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com and her offer code MUNCHIES at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So we recently paid a visit to our friend Jimmy Keasley, who co-owns Darty Bar, because we heard he could use some website help. Darty Bar is in South Williamsburg, and it's named after the Darties, the awesome band that Jimmy's a part of. This is their music. So Darty Bar is the place where you can order a beer in a shot, simple cocktails, and some reliable nachos. And it's also a Vice Hangout hangovers do you think you've given to Vice employees since you opened?
2: Wow. That's a fucking great question.
1: (laughs) Anyway, Jimmy took us down into the basement where he's got a recording studio of sorts. So this little intimate room filled with carpet and graffiti is where the Darties practice and record. So, literally everywhere in New York that I go, you're around me on every single telephone booth, every curb, every subway like Darty stickers are everywhere. I don't know how you guys have pulled it off. But people who don't know what the Darties are. They kind of know.
2: Yeah. Even if they most people know who we are by name but have never even heard our music. Yeah. It's the weirdest okay. thing, trust me. Well, cause- we did we did actually have a website and this kid that I was friends with the biggest asshole in the world and if i ever see him i'm gonna fucking punch him in the fucking goddamn (laughs) face he built our website and then he he moved out of town and for some reason had like a vendetta against me he made like a fictitious youtube page of this weird like glam rock band from australia that had fucking like a million hits on every song and it said like the darties And if you went to our website, it went to, like, this glam rock, fictitious band. And I was like, we have to change our name. Like, this sucks so bad. And then once I calmed down, I was like, wait. It's that fucking kid that built our website, that moved away, that fucked us. And then I, like, I called him. I was like, I'm going to fucking kill you. And he wouldn't respond to me. No response. So that's that. That's why we don't have a website.
1: (laughs) We should build the Darty's website. Yeah. Sure. Will you let us
2: do that? <laughs> if you want to. Yeah, go fucking ahead. That'd be fucking great.
1: So that's what we're gonna do. In the next couple of episodes, we're gonna help worldwide Darty fans by building a tight site for the band with Jimmy. Normally, building a website, portfolio, or an online store can be overwhelming, but with Squarespace, it's crazy easy. Sites look professionally designed regardless of skill level, no coding required. It's got intuitive and easy-to-use tools. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure security and stability. It's trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. And it starts at $8 a month, so you get a free domain if you want to sign up for a year. Start your free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code Munchies to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. All right. Go to Darty Bar if you live in New York. It's located at South First and half in Havlemeyer, Williamsburg. Order a watermelon ice cube margarita or A Beer and a Shot and go listen to the Darties. Soon, with our help, you'll be able to see their website. Okay, back to the show. So we sat down in the studio with Chef Wiley Dufresne, and right away, we got it all wrong. So you're definitely considered like the LeBron James of the American molecular gastronomy movement. There's no question about that. Or in baseball terms, maybe like, I mean my my favorite player is Mookie Wilson. Um, I think he's <laughs> the greatest player of all time. All right. Uh, before the Mets traded him, after that they were dead to me. But <laughs> they're having know, a good year. They're having a yeah, it's all right. You know, it's it's not they're not my team anymore. Okay. Um, okay. But it's uh, too bad. But. You know where where do you think it's heading, or where do you want to see it head? see what restaurants uh no molecular gastronomy
0: oh you know i i think that that term is for for me that what molecular gastronomy not not a term i like not one that i think is ultimately um was a good choice you know if it's friday night and it's time for you to go out to dinner and you're like you want to go have thai you want to go have french or maybe some molecular gastronomy like (laughs) we're never like that's there's no chance there's no chance like that doesn't sound delicious at all <laughs> right it doesn't sound delicious are you feeling some molecular astronomy tonight honey <laughs> no i think we'll have thai okay fine um but really i think it was it has been a misunderstood um movement and and i think um at its core it's a It's, it's been about a group of chefs around the world that are deeply interested in understanding what happens when we prepare food, any food, not just wildly modern food, but classical cooking, cooking in period. What happens when you roast a chicken? What happens when you poach an egg? What happens when you make mashed potatoes, understanding, understanding those processes in an effort to make, uh, better decisions. There'll never be a right or a wrong way to poach an egg. There'll be a more or less informed way to poach an egg. Because if you understand the variables involved in poaching an egg, which are time and temperature, then you can change those variables to get different results. But there's not a right or a wrong way. So you might just want to make a hard-boiled egg because you love hard-boiled eggs or because you own a bistro that has to ser- that serves hard-boiled eggs. Or you might want to do some weird slow-cooked, you know, Three hour, four hour, seventeen hour egg that when you pop it open, it's like Jello and wiggly and weird and wacky and wonderful. Um, and I think that the problem was people uh, just associated sort of the weird flights of fancy with molecular gastronomy. But molecular gastronomy, at its core, was about understanding cooking, any type of cooking. So if 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 we can agree that at its core, molecular gastronomy is about knowledge and understanding learning that i say it's safe as a kitten because it's never the enthusiasm for knowledge and learning in education is never going to go away you've you know in the past you've mentioned that cooking is a lot like
1: sports and if you weren't cooking you would have been an amazing athlete
0: no that's not what i said (laughs) okay <laughs> I would like to have been an amazing athlete but I would not if I were not cooking I would definitely not have been an amazing you're right athlete. you're right I, I did possess, a terrible f- paraphrasing well that. I don't possess any of these sort of <laughs> natural abilities that would allow me to 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 do that but yeah. but I do see a lot of uh, a tremendous amount of parallels life lessons uh, uh, in 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 cooking or or the the ones uh, the all the things that I loved about playing sports um some of the simpler things all the way up to the much more sort of deeper things that I wasn't even aware of as a kid, um, I, f- I have found in the kitchen. And it's part of what's allowed me to uh, enjoy cooking so much. Um, so uh, I think the fact that I found the kitchen makes sense in a way.
1: But tell me about, you know, thinking about team sports and the kitchen, what for you are the components that draw
0: parallels um sports are very redemptive um you have an opportunity over and over again to fix a mistake if you struck out you'll be up again if you missed a layup you're going to take 20 more you know you do things wrong you have a chance to, to right that wrong um cooking is like that you know because you're doing the same thing over and over again you know you overcook that steak or you 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 messed up that salad or whatever you did wrong, you're going to have to do it again. You're going to have to do it again. You can't get stuck. You can't get bogged down. You've got to go on. And um, that opportunity for redemption in a kitchen uh, was something that I didn't notice till later on. You know, at first it's, you're just kind of getting your bearings.
1: Not to put you on the spot, but if you could select one dish from WD-50 that you created, that you feel... Is a good way to illustrate how you think.
0: Um, uh, have you ever been to WD-50? Yes. Um, did you ever have the Everything Bagel ice cream? It's incredible. Yeah. Well, that's a fun, <laughs> that's a really fun dish. So you're smiling, which is all I want you to do. You know, that's a, that's how I, when I say something like that and you can smile, that means that that dish was a success uh, for the most part, Um unless you're smiling because you're going to tell me, you know, you broke up with your boyfriend at the table over the bagel or something (laughs) like that. Um, But, but, uh, it, it's, it's a good example of the, of the process and when the process can be, you know, wonderfully successful. And, And it's a very satisfying story or example for me. So we, uh, it started off as an amuse, which is a little treat that you get in, you know, tasting menu, typically restaurants or a lot of restaurants. The kitchen will just send you a little something to start, the amuse bush, you know, the, the little teaser to get you excited about what's to come. And we uh, we changed them all the time at WD-50, and there's a certain station in the restaurant that was responsible for creating an amuse. And there was a girl uh, in that station at the time. Her name was Samantha Henderson, and uh, she had an idea that she wanted to do everything bagel ice cream. On her own, she made the ice cream, and she put a little canal, little round, you know, rounded scoop. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices of ice cream in the bowl and 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 then we start she started saying where do i go from here what do i do with this and and so we began to pass that bounce that ball around the room and talk about well what makes what do you have with a bagel because um, now we have this ice cream everything bagel flavored ice cream a scoop of it was absolutely delicious and we had been messing around with um taking salmon and cooking it for a really long time till it began to look like well, I, I like to say insulation, but that's a terrible descriptor <laughs> because it doesn't sound delicious. But that sort of pink, like, like uh, hairy insulation, like fiberglass, fiberglass, yeah. yeah, is what it looks like. Kind of, you've had it. It mm-hmm. looks a little bit like that, but it, it's not a. That's not a good opener for what this. What you're going to eat. You're going to have some fiberglass. <laughs> um, but but we had been working with that, so I suggested that we do some, we put some of that on there. So we had smoked salmon and a bagel. And then somebody else said, well, okay, let's put, what do you have with smoked salmon and a bagel? You got to have cream cheese and, and, and red onions. So we, we pickled some red onions, some baby pearl onions. We just pickled them. And, um, we had been messing around with taking things that aren't supposed to be crispy and making them crispy. In this case, we took cream cheese Um, and we, we spread it it very thinly and dried it overnight to the point where it got, where we could break it and would snap. Um, and then Alex Dupak, who was the pastry chef at the time said, uh, why don't we put the ice cream in tiny Savarin molds and it'll look like a bagel. And I thought, well, that's great. Of course, let's do that. So we put the ice cream in a mold in a bagel and then, uh, and then, Alex, as as is often the case, called my bluff. And he said, "If you buy me a paint sprayer, an airbrush, we can airbrush it and make it look like a toasted bagel." I think he wanted an airbrush, and he was <laughs> trying to lead me, lead the horse to water. So I said, "You're on. Buy one right now." So we bought one, and he he you know we, we messed around with different um, different food colorings to, to airbrush the bagel and how to make it look like a toasted bagel. And then, lastly, we we, we figured out uh, to, when it when it came out of the freezer right before we served it to you, roll it in um, sesame seeds and poppy seeds, and put it on the plate. And so, to make a long story short, three or four different people um, put ideas out on the table, but it just started with this girl Samantha, who um, wasn't you know was in charge of doing that. Uh, at the time, and how that dish grew and grew and grew into a dish that I think is one of the you know most talked about, most successful dishes we've ever made, but super tasty, but a lot of fun um, and and for me the the most exciting part of that story in a way is that she went on to eventually become the chef of the restaurant. so she actually was someone who walked in off the street eventually became the chef so that ties in on another way to to sort of the process and how it can be a place where people can really learn and grow and achieve and achieve things but that dish i think is a great example of how um how it could get it could become such a great dish with a bunch of people working on it rather than just one person trying to get it somewhere
1: wow yeah no i mean that sounds like The most fun work environment.
0: (laughs) It was a wonderful place to work. You know, I I really did enjoy that. Um, And certainly miss, you know, it's a hole in the ground right now, which is the most depressing part of it all. You know, they haven't even filled it yet. I wish they'd just get on with it, you know.
1: So tell me about not the last day, but maybe the last week that WD-50 was open. What was your...
0: How did you feel? Um, I was trying to enjoy every moment of it and also trying not to let the emotions of the moment get to me. Um, I was trying to have fun. I was trying to make sure that everybody else was having fun. Um, I wanted to make sure that we – I knew there was going to be crying, so I wanted to make sure that there was lots of laughing. Uh, joking around, having good times. We're also super busy, super busy. I mean, we had a crazy last month um, and we changed the menu a couple of times in the last two weeks. We made it very hard for ourselves, but I think my thinking at the time was everybody that's doing this is is, is crazy. They, they think I'm crazy. They're working like maniacs. They're like whittled to the nub, but someday they're going to look back on this and they're going to say, that was so much fun because we were just going balls out and and, and, and it was nuts and crazy um, but I, I mean I know because I've had the chance to reflect on it, it was super fun. There's a lot of good memories and there's a lot of good memories in the 12 and a half years we were there, but there's a lot of good memories in those last couple of weeks. Um, again, there were a lot of laughs, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of yucking it up along the way, which is all what, what I really wanted. You know, we brought some people back that had worked there in the past, Um brought our original sous chef back, and he's a hoot. And we had him in there, you know, ruffling feathers and doing fun. It was just, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun.
1: And then about two weeks later, a lot of the equipment was auctioned off, right? Correct. I mean, I would imagine. Did you buy anything? I didn't. Do you? Do you? Do you wish that I had bought anything, or do you would you hate me? For your sake, any? I wish
0: that you bought something.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, what was? I mean, tell me what it was like to watch random people buying all of these things that you had been using.
0: I couldn't do all it all those I left. Years. Yeah, I was there for a little bit to understand the process because I didn't know how it was going to go, and I was curious. Um, but once it began, uh, I couldn't. I couldn't stay. I watched one of my cooks. Bid against, a, you know, I don't know who, another person for a, a couple of, of the pots that we used to use every day. And I heard the person, I heard a person, else, another person say, that's crazy. She's nuts to pay that money for those pots. They're used. And, you know, she said, I, I, I had to buy these, these are the pots that I learned how to cook on. And it became like to." It, it was too much for me. Another cook, another another person came up to me and said, "Hi, I'm a cook, and I just came here to buy something. I don't know what, but I wanted to buy something." And it just got to be, you know, it, it's you started to see how how the restaurant had impacted people and what it meant to them. Even people that didn't work there, and it got to be, it got to be too much for me. I didn't want to watch. I didn't want to watch like these vultures pick over the carry-on, you know. It was like watching someone pick over your body while you're not dead yet. And I I just eventually, I mean there were people there with beautiful sentiments, but there were like like my 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 cook who was buying pots and this other cook who just wanted a piece of of something cuz it meant something to him, but the room was full of other people that were just looking for bargains. Um you know, we I watched I, I did come back the, ne- the next day. You bought everything and what you couldn't carry, you came back the next day and, and took out. And I watched these goons just, we. this is equipment that we cared for and loved with, with all of our hearts. And I watched these goons tear it out and destroy it in the process. I mean, I somebody bought a freezer that was not even six months old, definitely still under warranty, looked perfect, perfect. And I watched these goons carried up the stairs and they got to the top of the stairs and they said, you know, we can't, we can't turn the stairs with the freezer. And so I had all my guys that, that, that worked for me there. And, and, and I had my guys say, look, this is how, I'll help you get it up and we'll turn it and it'll come out. Cause this is how it went in. It went in. So it comes out. <laughs> and they said, no, 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 we need to smash the stairwell in order to get it out. So we said, "Fine." We're leaving. Some they're gonna sm- so go ahead. So then I had to watch these these, these people take a sledgehammer to the stairwell because they didn't have enough common sense to figure out or even let someone who'd already figured it out them get this freezer out and then these gorillas just smashed it. And it was it was heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And that was over and over and over again. I mean I could show you a picture on my phone of the guy my who was in charge of all the equipment and he's just staring like jaw dropped at the watching these guys destroy something that for 12 years he worked there for 12 years and all he did was make sure everything was in pristine condition so you know that was hard that was it was a that was a a low point for me was the auction and the the two days subsequent just watching people tear it apart it was as if all the work you know all the efforts were for naught you know, I mean, they weren't they weren't they meant they They left a deep impact on a lot of people. But and there's an apartment building going into that space now, right? There's going to it's going to be condos. Yeah. Yeah. Should get on the list.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm like, what if I was like, I'm moving in there, actually. I'm really excited about it. <laughs> Great. We're done. Um, what do you feel thinking about chain restaurants or fast food? You know, there are certain um things that are employed within them that do you ever look at any of the equipment or a process that they're doing and think like oh that's actually really consistent
0: and great yeah i'm fascinated by um people say processed foods i'm fascinated by food processing i mean candy candy is really cool like how is candy made it's awesome look at an m&m you know my daughter just had her birthday party last week and my wife bought a zillion tiny m&ms that said happy birthday ellery on them i mean how the hell do they print on an m&m an entire message that's cool to me that's neat you know cereal cereal is incredible like shredded wheat have you ever picked up a piece of shredded wheat it's crazy it's like a carpet it's woven <laughs> how the hell do they do that how Magic. do they do that that's cool it's really cool if we could make arugula flavored shredded wheat or sweet potato flavored shredded wheat that didn't have a bunch of junk in it that could be amazing could be amazing So if you could give a
1: piece of advice to new cooks about being curious or how to be creative, how to be a creative thinker as a cook, like what would you say?
0: Well, you know, I don't – if you don't want to be a creative thinker, I don't want to force you to be a creative thinker, but you should ask why. Just constantly ask why. Why? Why?
1: So that wraps up our second episode of the Munchies Podcast with Chef Wiley Dufresne. I'm your host, Helen Hollyman. We'll be back in a couple of weeks for the next episode. And until then, you can find us on Facebook... Peep us on Instagram and Twitter with a simple at Munchies, and for all your favorite food content on the internet, go to munchies.tv. Don't forget to subscribe to the Munchies podcast on iTunes. We can't wait to bring you the next episode, and we'll see you in a couple weeks.